Dangerous pass gets through to Kevin. Johnson in the double. Now for the time. Good save. Ready rebound. Quick. Can't come up with it. Now Miller's going to get a look. Good close out by Glazer. Bob Z steps in a one. High to high. Bullseye. And Dixon forces it back. Skip pass gets through. Brosco time. Hello and welcome to the Time Room Bullseye Podcast. I'm Eamon McEnany. In a few moments, I will be joined by Albany head coach Scott Marr as the Great Danes get ready to defend their America East Conference title and secure a spot in the NCAA tournament. As always, you can check out my top 20 on laxmagazine.com. And with less than a week to go before Selection Sunday, this much we know. Loyola and Syracuse are in the field. Outside of that, I think we're all guessing. All right, well, maybe not. I think it's pretty safe to say if Denver and Maryland win out and win their conference championships, they're going to be the top two seeds. I do think that in this year of chaos and parity, there are going to be two or three first-round matchups that you see in the selection so Sunday night that are just going to jump off the screen as must-watch appointment TV. I think because of the role geography plays in the seeding and the matchups, I think we have the potential for a Duke-Hopkins game either in Baltimore or in Durham, and a Carolina-Loyola game in Baltimore. And I also think there can be some juicy rematches. I don't know, maybe if Marquette beats Villanova, maybe it makes sense to send a team from Milwaukee to, I don't know, South Bend. Those two teams just played an overtime game. Maybe Albany-Yale, that was an overtime game just recently. Again, there will be major impact games in the first round. I know there are some critical contests to be played in the conference tournaments, but if the committee is listening, feel free to write those games down. In pencil, of course. Carolina at Loyola, Duke Hopkins somewhere, Notre Dame Marquette if Marquette knocks off Villanova. I'll let the selection committee take all the credit for it on the selection show Sunday night on ESPNU, but I think all lacrosse fans would agree that those are some games you would clear the schedule for to watch. And I am happy now to be joined by Scott Marr, the head coach at the University of Albany, as the Great Danes get ready for the America East Conference Tournament. And uh, Scott, there was uh, Albany lacrosse before Lyle, and now you're showing there's Albany lacrosse after Lyle Thompson. But I want to take you back to that first team meeting in the fall, you know, when everyone knew that Lyle was graduating and moving on, obviously. But when you had the team together for the first time without Lyle, uh, you know, whether it's in September or August, when you looked him in the eye, what was the one message you knew you had to get across to this year's team? Well, the first thing we talked about and what got across to him is that uh, we have to be, you know, the 2016 team, and we have to find an identity for ourselves, you know, and, and obviously new roles for everybody. And um, so it was important that we, uh, you know, really – Took a good look at each other and, and understood who had to do what, and uh, understanding that different guys were going to have to do different things this year. And and um, you know they they really accepted the challenge. You know we kind of challenged them that this was going to be, you know there were going to be a lot of people talking about not having Lyle, and we talked to our seniors about what their legacy was going to be. You know and uh, that was that was important was uh, was getting our seniors um, really on board and and you know being. Being being leaders uh, right from from day one, you know, getting our work ethic going in practice and stuff like that. So, um, again, the message was that there was a lot of guys came back who've done a lot of really good things the last couple of years and um, and 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 done um, you know been to the tournament twice and 
and stuff like that. So, you know, we had our leader in Blaze in Blaze Reardon, so we were happy, uh, you know, that he was back, and I thought that was a, a good starting point for us. You know, when I had a chance to uh, call your games the last couple of years with Lyle and watch you on TV, uh, I was always reminded of one time when I had a chance to interview Hubie Brown about playing against Dr. J in the ABA, and two things stuck out. He always told, he said, that, you know, if you didn't see Dr. J in the ABA, you didn't get the true Dr. J. But then he also said he could do stuff that even though he might have been against you and your building and he could have been the away team, the stuff he did was so magical that he turned your own crowd against you. And certainly, although it was a neutral site, that was the feeling I got when Albany played Notre Dame at Hofstra and certainly last year in the tournament when I had a chance to call that game against Cornell and Ithaca. What was that like when Lyle was doing his thing and your athletes were feeding off that and running up and down the field and the whole bench and then the crowd got into Albany lacrosse? How would you describe what that feeling was like on the sideline for you guys? Uh, surreal, I mean, just magical, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the feeling that you did get. I mean, it just, just you felt so confident, you know, uh, with with Lyle out there and, and, and what he could do and how he elevated the rest of the team and, um, you know, we really did jump on his back, uh, you know, and let him and let him take us to a lot of different places, obviously. So, you know, it was it was, it was like magic, you know, um, just just being a, being around and being being a part of of history in a sense of watching one of the best players ever play the game, uh, and and for him to be on our team and to see what he's done for our program, uh, you know, it was just it was fantastic. All right, I'm going to bunch, j- jump around all over the place now. Let's go back to the beginning. You're from uh, Yorktown, New York, for those who don't know. And, uh, Scott, there are a lot of great lacrosse towns in this country, uh, so I'm not going to single it out. But to me, there's something unique about you, Yorktown. And I don't know if it's because of the size or, you know, certainly uh, Mr. Murphy, who I'm going to ask you to elaborate on, has a lot to do with it. But, you know, yeah. how would you describe why that bond is so strong between the sport of lacrosse and the town of Yorktown, New York? Well, I mean, it, it did start with Mr. Murph, you know, way back in the in the early '60s. Uh, you know, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary um, this past uh, summer, and you know, I think what was really neat about it, and what is really neat about it, is that, you know, I'm talking to guys from the from the '60s like they were my teammates in the right. '80s, and 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 I'm talking to kids in the in the 2000s, you know, who, you know, could have been my teammates in the in the '80s. It just it doesn't seem to change. Uh, the mindset and the mentality has always been kind of passed down and passed along to uh, to the next generation or the next class. And um, it's just again when you have tradition and when you win, um, you know you build that winning culture. Um, but again, I think part of it too is that we were all very you know very friendly and uh, you know it was, it was a it was a good atmosphere that Coach Turnbull and Mr. Murph uh, created for our team. And uh, we played a very loose game and and had a lot of fun with it and. Uh, you know, joking around and, and, you know, and enjoying playing the game of lacrosse. I think that was important for, for why it is. But uh, I do think there's something in the water. <laughs> I've, got, I've had the pleasure of coaching a number of Yorktown kids in my career, and, uh, you know, they are definitely a little bit different. But, uh, again, just a fun group to be around. You know, the people, like I said, our 50th anniversary, we had over close to 500 people at our uh, our reunion. And uh, it was just, again, just, just the, the fact that you could talk to somebody from, uh, the early 60s or, or to someone in 2016 team and, and kind of have a similar conversation with them. Is, uh, that's what's neat about it. All right. And then you go to Johns Hopkins where obviously lacrosse is very important and a big deal and the, the standard is high. At what point did you start to think about coaching and you knew you wanted to make lacrosse your uh, professional life? Uh, I, I, I wanted to be a coach, I think, even going into college. Uh, I, I worked with youth groups and stuff when I was uh, in high school 
Um, I was always around it. My father was a was a coach in all of our our little leagues and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just enjoyed being around you know, around sports. And I was always kind of a you know a nerd that way. I liked stats. I liked you know watching film that type of stuff. Um, I like talking lacrosse with my my high school coach, Mr. Turnbull. Um, you know, I would go in and have lunch with him you know, on my lunch period and sit down, and we would talk lacrosse for 40 minutes before I go to my next class. So I was just always very uh, intrigued by it, and you know, just uh, it was something I always had a passion for. Um, you know, and then I got to college, I was able to start doing camps and stuff in the summer times and whatnot, and uh, you know, so kind of it was just kind of the path I think that I was always on. You know, I mentioned there was life before Lyle at Albany for those uh, who are new. Uh, you made it to the quarterfinal with that great team in 2007, suffered a uh, tough loss to a very good Cornell team, obviously. Um, when you took over at Albany, after being from Yorktown and Hopkins and knowing, you know, being at places where lacrosse was so important, what was the key? Because back then, it wasn't like now where there's so many, so much parity and there's all these other teams who are good sort of overnight. I don't want to shortchange it like that, but you know what I mean. Uh, what was the key at Albany to getting in the mix, beating Hopkins at Homewood, and getting into the quarterfinals in 07? Well, I, you know, it, was, it certainly was a building process. Um, I thought when I first got here, um, you know, we, we did some things to find out who wanted to be a Division One player, for one, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and uh, <clears throat> kind of got a good core of kids. I was I was pretty fortunate. My first my first year, I had some, some really nice players, so... Um, you know they've been playing D2 and, and D3 prior to that, but uh, you know obviously recruiting is the biggest thing. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, my my first recruiting class, uh, I got a Yorktown kid by the name of Kevin Ray in the goal, who I was recruiting at Maryland uh, before I left to come to Albany. And when I left to come to Albany at Maryland, they got a different goalie, so Kevin was kind of left uh, without a home. So I kept kept recruiting him and got him, and then we got Luke DeQuino as well in that same class in that first year. So. Um, Luke was a Sachem kid and, you know, just ended up being a, I think he just got overlooked on the island and, and, uh, we were fortunate that he, that he wanted to come. So those two guys were kind of the cornerstone of that first, of my first recruiting class, um, that came in in, in 2002. And really from there, again, just starting to get, you know, the Frank Reseteritz, Merrick Thompson, uh, you know, I think for us the key was recruiting wise was finding that kid who was, you know, kind of under the radar, you know, maybe got overlooked. Um, you know, again, Frank Resseteritz at one point I think was leading goal scorer in New York State. Um, you know, it was between us and Lemoyne. You know, so he, Frank was was kind of being overlooked. And then you know, Merrick Thompson came some comes down from from Canada and goes to uh, Albany Academy, so he's right in our backyard. And and uh, I get a call from Mark Wimmer and, and Steve O'Shea, who were coaches at Albany before me, and they said, Hey, you got to come check out this kid from from Canada. So went over and got him. So we got again, you got got some of the pieces coming in the first couple of years. Um, so Merrick is a freshman in '04, and Frank and those guys, and then they're the seniors of that class um, in '07. So I think again, part of it was too. We we, we were very fortunate where um, I got a chance to play Hopkins uh, because of my relationship with Dave, and then we got a chance to play Syracuse because of my relationship with John. And having those types of games on our schedule early on was very attractive for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, as a state school. You know, we knew too as a you know New York State. You know, we're given in-state tuition and and with some scholarship stuff, we could really go after some kids. And uh, so we started taking you know some lower levels, some hanging fruit from Syracuse, some you know some guys who might have you know, gone there as non-scholarship kids. And we were able to get some of those guys to start coming over. And you know, again, the recruiting piece was huge. But uh, I thought my first couple of classes, though, my first couple of years, 
those teams really set the standard though for how hard we were going to play and what our work ethic is going to be all about and, and what kind of game we were going to play um, and, and the speed thing and playing fast and when I you know when I first got here we did struggle we did, we weren't you know we were okay but but it implemented the the fast pace right away because they knew if we practiced that level then we eventually we, we, we would get there so by the time we got to 2007 we'd already been to the tournament now twice in 04 03 and 04 uh, in 05, we had already won three, and then we go to uh, in 07 with that group. <clears throat> and by that time, now we had Jordan Levine, we had Brett Queener in the goal, we had the Almond Twins, uh, you know, Craig McDonald, Liam Gleason on defense. So all of a sudden, we were a pretty solid team uh, and playing at a fast pace. If you remember that 07 game with Cornell was dubbed as the best game of the year, um, and Cornell played that same kind of pace too. So it was a very exciting game. But it was just again those building blocks of recruiting. But then also those first couple of years of the guys setting the tone of how hard we were going to work and how hard we were going to play. And then, again, the scheduling stuff, getting Hopkins, getting mm-hmm. Syracuse. We played UMass. We played Delaware. So we had a really good schedule, too, and that, that helps. That non-conference schedule really helps. How different is recruiting now with all the success you've had lately and the attention that Albany Lacrosse has gained the last couple of years? Um, I, I think it's uh, maybe a little bit different, okay. but not, not, not too much different, to be quite honest with you. I think it's definitely – We've garnered more attention, and I think we're getting more kids across the country that, that are calling and emailing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I still think we're still in the same kind of niche that we always were in. Mm-hmm. You know, we recruit against the, the similar schools. You know, we recruit a lot against Loyola, against UMass, um, you know, the CAA schools. You know, we try, you know, we try to, again, we go with Syracuse, and, you know, we get some of those guys and, and then don't get some guys. But it's not, it's not like all of a sudden we're, you know, we're taking kids from Notre Dame or from Denver or from, you know, cause I just think it's different. Our schools are different, you know, right. and, and I just, we, 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 we kind of get, again, we're, we're still 70, 75% New York state kids, you know? So our backyard, you know, New York state is our stomping ground. Like we have to do well in New York state. Um, so we, we really, we really go hard after kids in New York state. And then, you know, we get some gravy with some kids from, you know, Stone Sims is from California, you know, right. came to a camp. We saw him at a camp and, you know, all of a sudden he's, you know, He's coming to upstate New York. So it's also, you know, recruiting again, like, you know, geographically where we are, uh, you know, with the winters and stuff that we do have, you know, it helps that we get kids from Canada, from upstate New York, you know, from, from Long Island that understand the weather and, and those types of challenges that we have, uh, you know, in February and January now we're playing this early. So <clears throat> it's nice to nice to get kids there. I mean, it's like the Maryland kids tough to get, or Virginia kids tough to get, you know. Right. So we've had a couple of Florida kids, we've had a couple of California kids, a couple of Arizona, you know, and it's funny, we, we try to bring them out in like September when it's 80 degrees, <laughs> and they don't, you know. Trickle. <laughs> don't know the difference. <laughs> but, okay, uh, Google Maps it or whatever, Google the weather yeah, in uh, February. The weather, <laughs> exactly. So, but it's, you know, recruiting is just, you know, it's just a, it's a constant though, and you have to be on it all the time, and the, the way things are working now with the early commits and we're still trying to stay away from that we're still trying to stay within the junior year junior to senior year if we can um just because i think uh there's a lot that goes into that early stuff that i'm not i'm not fond of but right uh you mentioned garnering attention and uh albany lacrosse did it that again this year off the field all in good fun of course but barstool sports uh, had some fun with the team picture and the, the haircuts <laughs> um you know we've talked about this before but now uh you know, I've been around your practices, you know, during the NSA tournament. That's who you guys are. How do you balance that? You know, having fun, you know, having a personality for each player and yet getting after it and being successful. Yeah, well, again, it's, it, uh, it's something that we've always, you know, 
it is who we are. It was what we've done since I've been here. And, and when I was at Maryland, it was the same way, you know. Um, <clears throat> I try to let kids be kids. I treat them like men. Um, you know, we want them to have fun. And that they have to understand that, you know, there's times to work and there's times to play. There's times to laugh. Um, but I think when when we get into practice and once practice, you know, starts, their focus does come come pretty quick and comes comes pretty sharp and we're and we're attentive and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't doesn't mean that we wouldn't you know crack a joke or somebody tell a joke or be laughing in a huddle in between stuff. And I think again it's just a matter of just keeping the atmosphere you know uh, light you know and having you know lighthearted, having fun you know kids enjoying. Again we play music at practice and. Uh, we let the kids dance and you know have fun on the field and 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 again at the same time you know we do do our work you know we 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 have a great work ethic our kids come into practice our practices are very fast we don't mm-hmm. stop moving we practice just like the way we play so everything's up and down everything's high tempo um, so we're not out there for very long so we we limit practice to about two hours or less and uh, the kids come in and, and get it done and and again I've never I've never really bought into the the concept of you know that you you know this, that this is a job and you have to be you know serious all the time and you you know you can't laugh you can't have fun it just I think having fun makes it that much more enjoyable to play keeps guys loose and I think it can bring you know kids to their potential you know as opposed to playing tight or playing nervous because you know everything is always tense in practice you know so we try to try to get away from that because when it, you know and when it gets tense they can you know they can handle it and we handle it well in, in situations and you know again we played overtime sat less this past Saturday overtime the week before you know um, and I found our focus you know all the way through the game was pretty good I'm going to violate a rule here I know you're not allowed to put the cart before the horse but I am and I have all the respect in the league for your in the world for your league but we mentioned 07. I talked about being calling the Notre Dame game at Hofstra. You were in the quarters last year. You know, on a slow day in the summer or the fall, do you envision what it would mean to you and this program to take that next step and get to championship weekend and beyond after the close calls and knocking on the door, uh, what that would mean to you and, as you mentioned, all the guys who believed in you back in the beginning and the guys on your team yeah. now, obviously, as well? Yeah, I you know, <clears throat> I think anybody uh... – would be lying if they said you don't think about those things and you have to have those aspirations if you ever you know you want to get there you have to dream you have to dream big and you know our goal every year is to is to win the national championship now we haven't gotten to that game yet but again that's a goal and that's where you set the bar and, and you want to get to that level and uh you know you, you sit back some days and you think geez 07 we had to you know, bounce here bounce there we're mm-hmm. in the final four you know last you know two years ago against notre dame same thing so um <clears throat> you know we certainly do sit back it would be you know it would just be uh, I think an unbelievable accomplishment for a program, you know, uh, of our youth in the sense of only 15 years. Sure. Um, if we could get to get to that level and get past that, you know, get over that hump. And I think, you know, uh, the expectation level out of ourselves is that we that we're gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna get to that point. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna break through at at some point as a program. And uh, hopefully, just you know, it's a matter of time. Hopefully, it's this year. You know, that's certainly what our goal is. And uh, I think we're. We're certainly capable of, of doing that. I think we've proved ourselves this year that we can play some tight games and we've played some good teams and, uh, you know, and, and we're just, uh, we can get into the playoffs here and be fortunate enough to win our conference and get in and, you know, just, just go out and do our best and, and uh, you know, be excited to be part of it. All right, last question. Uh, I know you mentioned early recruiting. That's certainly on the table, but uh, I have made you the czar of lacrosse here, a hypothetical for you. You. Say it, it goes. Your fellow coaches can't block it. The NCAA can't block it. Conferences, no matter. Scott Marsh says, we're doing this. 
It's gospel. What's the one thing you would change about college lacrosse if you had one move you could make that no one else could block? One move that's a combination of? Well, no, I mean, like, you could move the calendar back. You could start two (laughs) weeks later. You say you can't talk to kids until junior year. You put a shot clock in. So eliminate the face-off. What's that? What's the one thing Uh, you would do? I would... I would I would eliminate the face-off. Wow. I would I would I would go to a basketball style of play uh, and take the ball out behind the goal after a shot after a goal goes in. I think that would uh, <clears throat> I think it would make our game very exciting, uh, uh, back and forth, you know, up and down, you know, that that coupled with the shot clock, it would be a very a fun sport to you know. Not that it's not fun now. Again, I I love our sport. I don't think it's awful. I just think if we want to make the next step as a major sport, we have to do something. To make it faster and, and make make people want to sit on the edge of their seat or stand up when they're watching a game and and put some more people in the stands. You know, I just think we're we've been struggling these last couple of years with uh, you know with attendance, and I think it's partially due to the fact that you know the, the game's just not moving that fast, and there's a lot of a lot of downtime during the games. Uh, there certainly is, and that would certainly be revolutionary. I'd uh, love to see the debate in the uh, coaches' meetings over that one, but uh, I remember the first time you mentioned it to me. The only problem is your fellow York Tor- Yorktown man, Paul Carcaterra, wouldn't be able to get in on any replays. We'd be moving back up and down the field. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, you got that little square box now that you put in the That's table. right. <laughs> you, you. Well, uh, Coach Scott Mart, I really appreciate the time. Always great talking lacrosse with you. Uh, good luck this uh, week at the America East, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Damon. I appreciate you having me. That's all the time we have for now, but remember, if Albany takes care of Hartford in the semis, you can catch the Great Danes on ESPNU at 10 a.m. Saturday in the America East title game. Later on Saturday night, 6 p.m. on ESPN2, it'll be the Big Ten title game. Then on Sunday at noon, back on the U, it'll be the Ivy League championship. It all leads, of course, to the selection show Sunday night on ESPNU, so plenty of lacrosse to watch this weekend on your television. I'm Eamon McEnany. Thanks for listening. And until next week, time, room, bullseye.